All right, those are the announcements for today. And uh, what's really important today is that Jesus is Lord and that his word is alive and well. And we're going to receive it today as we pray, all right? Would you join with me as we just dedicate ourselves to listening and receiving from the word of the Lord today? Father, we honor you. We praise you that you are God. You are good. You are great. We thank you for your awesome presence here today that we can fellowship with one another as uh, fathers and mothers and children and families and single adults. And regardless of our age, regardless of our station in life, we thank you that we can be one body under the love and the lordship of Jesus Christ. We ask that you take this message today and make it real to us that we can walk it out in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Today I'm beginning a a, a very brief series that we'll be doing in the month of June. And today's message is entitled, Just Do It. Can everybody just say that with me? Just do it. These uh, begins, we'll be talking this month. Yeah, that's right. Just do it. He said it loud and clear. We're going to be talking about practical Christian living and with a special emphasis on application. Application. By the way, uh, I stole, of course, the title for today's message from, from the Just Do It trademark. You knew that's where it came from. You thought I came up with that on my own? No, I actually, I didn't. Um, you know, I was a little bit shocked as I was thinking about uh, stealing that uh, title for my message today from Nike. Did you know that that slogan was adopted in 1988? Talk about an enduring brand. Isn't it amazing that the swoosh has been around for that long? And, uh, but it still is, and Nike still claims it, by the way. I, just don't tell them I used their trademark today, all right? But the reason that I chose that today is because of the emphasis of today's message. I'm going to talk to you today about the importance and the significance of applying God's Word to our lives. Because the bottom line is this. At the end of the day, it's what you do that matters. Not just what you hear, not just what you listen to casually, not just what you read, but it's what, it's what you do that matters. It's what you do that makes the difference. Doing makes all the difference. Application is what matters. It is applying. Believing, we put a big emphasis on believing. Believing is a good first step for Christians. This is a message today for those of you that are are followers of Jesus Christ. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can become one today. But this message we're going to look in the book of James is written to Christians. Believing is a good first step. But you can believe all you want to. You can have the best intentions. But until you begin doing, there's no change. There's no difference in our life. So I'm going to turn to James chapter 1. We're going to look at these verses. And I've used the New Living Translation today because I think it really causes it to be very fluid and uh, uses uh, some good language to help us grasp what James is saying. One thing you know about James when you're reading his letter, and that is that James is Mr. Practical. He minces no words. He hesitate, has no hesitation about laying it on the line. His whole the theme of the book is basically do it. Get it together. If you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, just do it. That's really his whole emphasis is practical Christian living. So I'm going to read to you beginning in verse 19, and regardless of what translation you're reading, you'll see it's a little bit different from the New Living Translation, but you can see it on the screens. 
Let's listen. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. How many of you figured that out in life? Anger doesn't get the job done, does it? Anger does not produce right living. And so verse 21, so get rid of all of the filth and the evil in your lives. I told you he didn't mince any words, did he? Get rid of all the evil and all the filth that's in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that he has planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. Verse 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself. You walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I mean, you agree that's pretty practical stuff, right? The emphasis is very clear. Here we find Apostle James drawing us a picture of two different people, two different listeners, two different hearers. And by the way, both of these hearers he's talking about, both of these people are followers of Christ. He's speaking to the church in these verses. And he's contrasting these two different kinds of hearers. Who are they? First of all, is the forgetful here. How many of you look like that, huh? The forgetful here. And the second here is what? The focused here. Both of these people are very different from one another. They have certain things in common. They're both Christians. They both have a love for God. They may be at different places in their Christian walk, but they're two totally different people. And we read here in the scripture, James is drawing a comparison and a contrast between them. So what I want to do is I want to start by talking to you about the forgetful here. And then I'm going to contrast the forgetful here with the focused here. All right, let's start off with the forgetful here. James illustrates this point by comparing the person who looks into a mirror. And perhaps he sees that he looks in the mirror and he says, oh, I forgot to shave this morning. Those of you who are old enough to shave. You may look at your face in the mirror briefly and say, oh, I had a big bowl of cereal this morning and I've still got cereal all over my mouth. Right? The mirror tells all. All you have to do is look in the mirror And whatever you see, you see exactly what's going on 
with you in the mirror, whether it's the way you're dressed, whether it's the way you look, whether it's how your hairdo is going. You notice that I gave special attention to my hairdo this morning just to make sure that everything was looking just right. But you see, many times the forgetful here looks, needs to wash his face, her face. Maybe he needs a shave. Maybe even a sense to the reality that, yeah, there's something not right in the mirror. But then the forgetful here does what? Walks away. And either just it slips their mind, they're mindless about it, or they walk away forgetful. They never make any adjustments. They never change anything. So can you imagine what it would be like for you to... How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, have, have a hairdo that you don't want to go outside with? Don't want to talk... Your hair, I mean, it's just like, just like a bad hair day, right? Everybody, when you wake up, usually has a bad hair day, all right? So you look in the mirror, you have hair going everywhere, and then you say, oh, that's fine. You look in the mirror and say, oh, it's, my hair looks awful, and you just walk right away. You don't do that. Anybody that has any sense does what? You fix it, Right? You get a comb, you get a brush, you do whatever you have to do. Some of you have to work harder than others. Some of you, my, uh, some of you just use a washcloth to. Uh... <laughs> but the point of the matter is, the forgetful here sees something that needs to be seen, but it does them no good because they do nothing about it. They go their way. They don't give it another thought. There are three different things, words here in this passage that we just read that describe the forgetful here. Number one, they are, just as I said, forgetful. They are forgetful. They're not just uh, listening. Uh, I'm sorry, they are just mere listeners. They look into the mirror, but they forget what they see. Now, James gives us a very good example about this using the concept of the mirror. And it's interesting, though, the word that is used in verse 23 and 24 when it says, in, and I think the New King James and the, and the King James uses the word behold, and they behold themselves in a mirror. That word is an interesting word because it's actually the word that means a casual glance. In just a moment, he's going to compare it to this focused person. But the forgetful here is someone who looks at the word looks at themselves, and it's a what? It's just a casual glance, and they forget. Maybe they do it intentionally. Maybe it's unintentional, but still, it's just a person who looks at their face in the mirror, but then it's a fleeting glance, and they go their own way. There's no change. There's no bathing. There's no shaving. There's no straightening out. There's no combing. There's no ironing. They're just like they were, the same person. They glanced in the mirror for a second and now have forgotten it. That's the first whole word there for looking or uh, beholding in the mirror. So the first thing is that they're a forgetful here. Now, by the way, not only are they forgetful, this is an interesting word here, when it uses the word hearing, that here, when it speaks of the person who is the person who hears, listens, but then doesn't practice, it is a word that actually was used in the original Greek language for someone who went to school, took a course in school, 
but today we call, we call it auditing a course. Have any of you here ever in high school or college ever audited a course? Anybody here ever done that? Yeah. Auditing a course, when you audit a course, you attend class. You might even get the books, buy the textbooks. You listen to the lectures, but you don't get any credit for the course. Am I right? You don't take it for a grade. You just take it so that you have access to the information. So you can actually audit a course, attend the class, be present, buy all the books, listen to all the lectures, but guess what? No grade. What's the difference? No responsibility. To do one thing about the information, it's just that. It's just information. It's just intellectual knowledge. But you have zero accountability to do anything with it. If you take, and listen, as, as an instructor at higher education, and I've had students before that have audited a class, they are worthless. They're pretty much worthless in the class, okay? Because what? They're checked out. They're, they're, they're looking at their phone. They're looking out the window. They're, they, you know, I'm like, why are you here? Why are you here? Because if you were taking the course for a grade, you would be what? You'd be attentive. You be engaged, and you know that what? If I don't get this stuff, if I don't really take it in the way I'm supposed to, what? I will flunk the exam. Isn't it interesting that here James is describing Christians who attend church? And I wonder how many of us he may be describing who sometimes attend church or listen to a message or read the Bible, but we're doing it as people who are just auditing. We're just listening. It's just information. It's just intellectual. And we never take it to the just do it stage where we're accountable for putting it into practice. Number one, they're forgetful. The forgetful here is also unwise. Verse 22 says that this person does what? That they actually uh, look at themselves in the mirror and they walk away and they are fooled. New Living talks about being fooled, or the King James talks about deceiving themselves. But think about it. If you walk and you look in the mirror, you see something that needs to change, and you don't change it, you walk away, what? You're just not smart. I mean, you're just not using your mind, right? That's not wise. It doesn't make any sense at all. A wise person would put it into practice, would do something with the information. Am I right? So we can say that a person who's a forgetful here is someone that is unwise. They are simply, as the Scripture says, like a fool and acting very foolish. Jesus reminds us of the same thing in Luke chapter 6. Do you remember when he talks about this same principle? He compared who? Two kinds of builders. And he said one builder is a wise builder. The other builder is a foolish builder. The foolish builder was a builder who built a house, but they built it on what? What kind of foundation? Sand, just dirt. No real strong foundation. And then the wise builder was what? Someone who built their house on what? On the rock. And Jesus said the person who builds their house, the wise person, is a person who builds their house on a rock. They are like the person who does what? Who practices what the Word says. 
They're not the forgetful here. The forgetful person, forgetful here, is the unwise builder. It's like driving your car. I don't know where, I'm, I'm sure many of you are guilty of this. But there are times, particularly when I was less mature, when my wife would always be reminding me how much gas is in the fuel tank. Would you check the gauge? I said, I checked it already. We'll be fine. We've got plenty of gas to get us where we want to go. Most of my early years of life, I lived with no margins. Does anybody relate to that? Thing? Gas? Not a problem. You still live that way, James, I hear Enough, there's enough gas. Man, I've got 18 miles left now. I got 18 miles left. I mean, it's only two, mi- two miles to the house. I mean, come on, man. I wait till tomorrow to get gas in my gas tank, right? You look at the fuel gauge and you just keep driving. It says empty. There's a red light that's now beeping at you. Now you're in the red zone. You're desperate for needing gas. And what do you do? You just keep driving. That is like the forgetful here who is what? Unwise. Wives, look at your husband and say, that's unwise. Look at them right back here. That's unwise. I had a friend of mine, a pastor friend, a great man of faith, and when he used to do this driving trick, he would actually, I'd, I'd be looking at the gas tank. I said, I said, Jim, I don't know. Got enough gas there? Oh, don't worry about it, brother. God's going to get us. We're, we're driving by faith, not by sight. I'm like, that doesn't work for me, brother. That doesn't work. By driving, by faith. He said, brother, it's going to be fine. It's midnight. I don't think that he's going to get... Just don't worry about it. I kept looking over in this little Ford Mustang he was driving. And, uh, you know, they used to have the, 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 the instrument panel. They were kind of hid into these little panels. And he, would t- he literally took a piece of paper, wadded it up, stuck it into that little cavity where the fuel gauge was showing so I couldn't see it so that now we could drive by faith. Oh, Jesus. That's a foolish driver. But many of us as Christians are foolish when we hear God's word, we listen to God's word, we read God's word, and we don't do anything about it. But even worse is the third one. James says that you can even be deceived. Deceived. See if this makes any sense to you at all. The scripture says, verse 22, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, watch this, you are only deceiving yourselves. Here's what I'm convinced of. James is saying that the person who operates this way is susceptible to something that's very serious. Self-deception. What is self-deception? Instead of dealing with what's been shown to you, you convince yourself that you're just fine. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm not going gray. <laughs> Looks fine to me. What gray? You actually get to the point that regardless of the blemish or regardless of the thing that means needs to be corrected, you convince yourself, I'm okay. I believe the more that we look into God's word, and we see something that needs to be changed, and we refuse to change it, we actually invite deception, blindness into our lives where our own consciences 
can become seared over time. And after a while, we read the same verse, we listen to the same message, God speaks prophetically, we hear it through good teaching, and what do we do? We're just convinced, I'm all right. I'm okay. Did you know that you can actually deceive yourself? I know many Christians who are today walking and operating in deception because they continually, time, time, and time again, saw what God was saying to do about their practical Christian life, and they never made the adjustment. This is serious business. That is the forgetful here. Can we look at the focused here? Now, what's the contrast? So he's looking at two different people. That's the forgetful here, but now there is the focused here. What do we learn about the focused here? The other person is a wise here who puts on, who puts what he or she hears directly into practice in their life. In other words, when they look at the mirror, they do it with readiness. They do it with attentiveness. They do it ready to put it into practice. They're focused on doing. They're focused on practical living, not just intellectual understanding. I know a lot of people whose minds are full. They know God's word. They know truth up here, but there's something missing between that and their life. It's the gap between their lips and their life. It's the gap, that that significant gap and distance between your head and your heart. And it's that distance that causes many of us as Christians and marriages and Christian families to look totally different than what God intends. But a focus here will result on putting it into practice. You remember we said that the forgetful here, the word that's used in verse um, verse 20, um, in verse 20, uh, 3 and 24 was the word that meant a, a, a glance, just kind of this little glance at the word and, and when you're looking into the mirror. But here, uh, instead of the casual glance, in verse 25, he talks about the person who looks into the law of liberty. The person who looks into the law of liberty. Now he switches from the mirror concept. He talks about the law of liberty. But this word that he uses is, 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 is not the word behold or look. It's actually a word that doesn't mean a, a, a slight glance, but it were, it's a word that means a careful, careful examination. Instead of a casual glance, now it's a careful gaze. I'm not just carelessly looking, passing along. Now I'm like, see, there's actually two sides of this mirror. There's one that gives you a close-up. So if it's a careful glaze, if it's a careful glaze instead of the careless glance, what are you going to do? You're going to say, "Man, I got to look at this closer." Because why? I need to make some adjustments. Some of us, when we get older, start having hair grow in all the wrong places. Now this is getting a little sensitive here. Get a little close. Some of you need to take a little bit closer look. And actually do something about it. All right? My point of the matter is what? A focus here does more than just a casual glance. You got to really look carefully and say, is there a change in the way I'm appearing that I need to change? 
That's the focused here. Yeah. There's some results, by the way. When we read in this chapter that we just uh, started off with, it's very clear about some results that come. Let me just remind you what it says. The scripture reads like this. But if you, li- if you don't listen to God's word, you must do what it says. But don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're deceiving yourselves or fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, you forget what you look like. But watch this. But if you look carefully, the NLT does a good job of describing that word. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Notice the results. Number one, if we are doers of the word, if we hear and put it into practice, it says that we become free. If we look into the perfect Law that sets us free. He switches the analogy now from a mirror now to looking at God's word, taking truth and looking as the perfect law, the perfect guide. And if we follow this perfect guide for practical Christian living, put it into practice, guess what? It will set us free. It sets sets us free from religion, from legalism. It sets us free from bondage and oppression and the power of sin. How many of you want to be free? Then we have to be focused here. That's the first result. Number two is it results in transformation. It results in transformation. In what way? In verse 21 that we read, it said, uh, you may remember the very first part that we read said, it, it, it talked about uh, getting rid of anger, right? And in verse 21, it says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God. The King James and the New King James and other translations say, receive the word which has been planted in your hearts for it has the power to what? To save your souls. So it's talking about the word that is planted in our hearts. In other words, it's speaking to Christians. If you're a Christian, there's some part of the word that is implanted like a seed. It's in you. There's a part of Christ that's in you. The living word, it's implanted deep in your hearts. It's there. It may only be in seed form because you haven't done much to let it grow. But if you let God's word that is in you, engrafted and implanted in you, if you let that seed grow, what will it do? The scripture here says it will save your souls. Don't get confused by this. The word for souls is the word suke. It is the word for psyche, psychology, psychological. It's the word that has to do with what? Not your spirit, man, but your mind. Your emotion, your will, that is your soul. Jesus came on the cross not only to save us in our spirit, but also in our souls and also eventually future tense salvation, our bodies. Listen, you have been saved. You are being saved. And one day you will be completely saved. Salvation is a process. Three aspects. Today, where the rubber meets the road is what? Our souls need some cleaning up. Our minds, our emotions, our will. Many of us are still conforming to the old life, are still carnal, are still fleshly, are still worldly. And here James is saying, clean it up. Did you know that the word for filth here that is used, it's an interesting word in the Greek language. It was used for a medical term 
that actually was used to describe wax build up in the ear. Oh, yeah. I've known people that had so much wax build up in their ear, they actually had to go to the doctor to have it removed. Yeah, actually had to go to a physician to get the ear wax removed so they could what? So they could hear. Because they couldn't hear normally. Couldn't hear correctly because of all the wax build up. That's the word used for filth here. Moral filth is something you allow those things in your life and you don't allow the word of God to transform you. Guess what? It'll plug your hearing. And then you'll become the forgetful here. Are y'all tracking with me? So what will it do if you let the word of God, you treat it right? It's going to set you free. It's also going to transform you. It will save your souls. And then we see number two, uh, the last one there is verse 25. It's going to result in what? Blessings. You're going to walk in blessings. It says, notice very carefully, it says, the one will be blessed in what? He does in verse 25. Watch. You don't get blessed by just listening to it. Some people think all I have to do is attend church and I get the blessing. No, 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 no. You don't get extra credit for just being in the building. The only way it counts, folks, is if we do something with it. If we take what God is saying... We take what is truth and we actually do the hard work of putting it into practice. Just do it. We don't get credit for just being religious, trying to act spiritual as we walk it out. So we put it into practice, James is saying, we will be blessed. The blessing occurs in the doing, not just in the hearing. If we abort the process prior to that, we come short of the blessing. The message is very simple today. It's what? Application is what matters. It's the doing of it that makes a difference. I want to ask you to stand with me, please, as we close our service this morning. Many of us have memorized the passage or phrase in this passage we studied today. And we, we say it like this. Uh, we, we memorize and we say it. Not, uh, we are to be doers of the word, not just hearers, right? We, that's what we've been talking about this morning. So can we really take our hearts and wrap it around this truth this morning? It is very simple. God wants us to put his word into practice. And the benefits are magnificent. It'll set you free. It'll transform you. And it will bless you in so many ways. This morning, what I'm going to do is ask our prayer teams here as well as in the annex to come to the front at this time. And what I'm going to ask that we do is that we respond today as I give an invitation. And I'm going to ask that today, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through this message, to a point where you're saying, Pastor, I realize that I have just been auditing for a good while now. I haven't been approaching the word I haven't been approaching my Christian life from a doing standpoint. It's just been, it's all up here. It's all external. It's all just show. But I'm ready to really get to practice God's word. Or maybe you say, I, I need to respond. Holy Spirit's really speaking to me this morning. I want you just to come forward right now. Just come here. I'm just going to pray a prayer over you. 
Because I believe that practice is important. If you're in the annex, you come forward. Pastor Todd is there as well as the prayer team's there. Would you just come forward and say, God is speaking to me today about being a more practical Christian in my life. Come for a moment, please. We're going to sing a song. You come and just stand at the front, uh, both here in the annex, and then we'll say a prayer after this song of worship. Several have come forward. I'm going to ask that the, some of the prayer team would just gather around these who have come forward. And we'll have our prayer teams available both here in the annex for any other prayer needs that you may have, things that you need agreement on. But I want to pray for those who had a significant sense in their heart that God was challenging them about their Christian lives. And so I want to pray with them. And maybe you didn't respond, but today you realize, I really want to recommit myself to being a doer to be a practitioner. I want to be a practitioner, not just one who listens. Would you just agree with this prayer right now? Holy Spirit, we thank you for faithfully reminding us of the truth. God, we ask that you begin to hold us accountable for what we hear, what we read. Lord, that it's not just about gaining knowledge. It's not just about accumulation of information, but it is about life change. It's about our lives looking like Jesus. It's about us conforming to the truth of God's written word. So we pray for these who have responded publicly and those who are in their seats right now who have been convicted and convinced by the Spirit of God today of their need for change, their need for an adjustment. Lord, forgive us for being forgetful hearers. Forgive us, Lord, for walking in deception. Forgive us for looking at the truth, hearing it, but not doing anything about it. Forgive us for that. And Lord, we choose today to be focused hearers upon your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
and amen. Teams, would y'all just begin to pray and minister individually to those who come and to anybody else that may come. Let's, can we just conclude with that chorus of that song and then we'll be dismissed with a word of prayer. Just sing, I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. I surrender. speak a blessing over you church today I bless you as you go your way this week I bless you mothers, fathers children, single adults, no matter who we are today Lord I bless these people blessings from Father God today to walk in grace and peace, may the joy of the Lord be your strength, may financial blessings follow you May harmony and unity belong to your marriages and your relationships. Walk as the children of God this week. Lives fully blessed by His presence and by His Word. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You're dismissed and ministry can continue here at the altars.